My name is Gene. I work on the Penn State team, so I do a lot of work at University Park and Altoona a little bit. Glad you're here for this session. This is one I care a lot about. I'm going to start with a hypothetical. So what if you were going home this summer, you hadn't really looked into religion yet, no heart for Jesus yet, but your friend had, they were super excited about Christ, and you both went home to the same town. Instead of sharing about Christ with you, they kept it to themselves the whole summer. How would that make you feel? Would you feel like you truly actually knew them if they withheld this very, very deep, important thing from you? That's part of the vision that I want to lay before you is lots of you have grown passionately in your relationship with Jesus and in the study of the scriptures in college. And now you have this amazing opportunity to share it with others. You might be wondering, okay, well, it's, the title is about high school friends. What if I don't have high school friends where I'm going this summer? That's okay. Just think about your, your coworkers, your gym buddies, your neighbors, maybe other interns if you have an internship this summer. Uh, the goal really is to just use the natural environment where you are and share about Christ through this Bible study. The goal is to evangelize and to disciple. One more clarification before we get into it. In this session, I'm totally assuming you know how to do inductive Bible study. So if you don't know how to do that, ask your staff worker or a student leader. Uh, come to Focus next year and do the Bible study 201 track, and that'll help a lot. So let's talk about why. Why should we do this? Why should we lead Bible studies with uh, our, our friends? Jesus... It's at the top of your outline in the Sermon on the Mount, calls his disciples salt and light. Why does he call them salt? Well, salt would be used to season food, but also at this time to preserve. They didn't have freezers. They didn't have fridges. Salt would preserve food. So he's saying to them, you are preserving the world from going bad. Why does he call them light? Well, this one's a little bit more obvious. Light provides illumination. It provides sight. Maybe this week you've been, you know, rummaging through your bag in the dark because other people are sleeping. It's a lot harder to do at night than in the light. So he's saying, disciples, I want you to provide illumination and preservation for those in the world. And just like the disciples, you and I, we have that same opportunity to be salt, to be light. Leading a Bible study is an amazing way to do this. Many people have opinions about Jesus. They have opinions about Christianity, but few have actually read the Bible. And even fewer have read a whole book in the Bible. So that's why, why we should do this. Let's talk about what we should do. I have four for you here. We should pray. We should recruit passionately, share the gospel, and lead in sharing vulnerably. I'll go through each of those. So what should we do? We should pray. Before you even start a study this summer, pray. Ask God to provide people to come. Why do we need to pray? Well, we need him to get them there. We need his help when we study the word. 
When you're reading the Bible, it's not just a book. You're, you're working with the spirit of God to understand God's actual words. So we need his help. You're pleading with the spirit. Spirit, open up their eyes. I can't do it. I can't make them believe. Spirit, I need you to be the one at work in their hearts and moving in them. So I encourage you, don't view prayer as like this obligatory thing you have to do every study. Just view it as what it is. Desperately asking God to work. We want to recruit passionately. That's number two. Think about where you're living this summer. Think about anyone you might have an ounce of trust with there who might possibly, maybe, potentially consider coming to a Bible study. And then ask that person or those people. You can say it really low key. Hey, we get together every Monday night, about 30 minutes, 45, and we look at a chapter in the Bible. Would you want to come and just check it out? If you don't like it, no pressure to come back. I have a Bible for you. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love to have you there. Are you interested? Something very kind of low pressure. And if they say yes, just remind them, send them a text that night or that day. Number three, we should share the gospel every study. In Luke 24, Jesus makes the bold claim that the whole Old Testament is about him. And we also know that the whole new is reflecting on him. So basically, Jesus is the point. Jesus should come up every single time we're studying the scriptures. Sinners are restored to God by grace through faith in him. So... For example, maybe you're studying John 3 in your Bible study. At some point in the study, you should reflect on that part of the gospel. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. In John 3, it talks about how the the serpent is lifted up on the cross. He alludes to Moses in the Old Testament. So you could just tap into that. Jesus was lifted up. He became sin on the cross. God crushed him in our place. This is amazing news. I am not crushed for my sin. I am delivered. So that should be happening. Some aspect of the gospel, every study. Last one. You want to lead in sharing vulnerably. You probably know this, but basically in any group, if you're the leader, they're going to be at or below your energy. So if you're just uninterested and sluggish, People are going to probably be uninterested and sluggish. But if you're happy, if you're excited to be there, people are going to be up to that level. Same thing with sharing vulnerably. If you lead in sharing vulnerably, honestly, about what God has done in your heart as you study his word, they're going to be more open to doing that too. So as the leader, as the co-leader, spend time with God in the passage beforehand. You want to... Basically, ask God to work in your heart so that um, you can be a leader there. Okay, we've talked about what we should do. Let's talk about how. We've got 12. We're just going to blitz through these. And there are 12 disciples, so I had to do 12. I didn't have a choice. Number one, walk into it with this mindset. I am a servant. I am there to serve these people. Even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He washed the disciples' feet. How much more should we have this mindset? 
Number two, we want to warmly welcome at the study. Warmly welcome. When you all sit down, everybody starts out cold, and it's your job to warm them up. You want to make people feel comfortable, even if it's their first time there. So just basic EQ stuff, smile, make eye contact. You're so glad they're there that they took a risk in coming. Um, introduce people if they don't know each other. Introduce yourself. Someone comes in late, acknowledge them. Thanks for coming. We're in John 3. Let me get you a Bible. Just simple stuff. Uh, small talk is great, either before or after the study. Something uh, a little informal. Last, if someone's new to the Bible, you want to help them find where they're at. Uh, obviously, without kind of, oh, you're new here. Like, just do it in a, a kind of kind way. Number three, we want to discover the drama in the passage. Why would you do this? Well, drama is interesting. It pulls people in. It's the reason why good movies are good, because there's drama. And your job is actually to find the drama in the passage and then bring that out for everybody. We don't want drama just for the sake of drama, but actually for the sake of the group, for the sake of Christ and the group. So two quick examples for you. With John 1, if you're studying John 1, you could say, this word figure seems to come up over and over again. Why does John say the word is a figure, a, a person? Why, why does he make that um, decision? Maybe you're studying John 3. You could say, Jesus compares himself to a snake. That seems pretty evil. Is Jesus evil? Is he saying that he, no, the answer is no, but why is it no? And then use that as energy uh, to discover the energy or the meaning of the passage. Number four, we want to make the most out of silence. Let's say you just asked a question. If it's silence, either people are thinking about their answer or they're unengaged. If they're thinking, that's great. Just let it stay silent for a couple minutes, uh, maybe a couple seconds. As the leader, you'll probably be the most uncomfortable after you ask your question. You know, did I ask the right question? How did I sound? What are they thinking? Don't worry, just ask your question, cast your line, sit and wait until someone answers it. You have prepared and just let them think like you just kind of gave them that question. It's the first time they're thinking about it. It's, it makes sense they're going to think about it. Um, so number two, if they're unengaged, that's another problem. Uh, you could have a number of solutions here. Maybe they're just tired. They need some more sleep. Maybe you need to increase your energy. Maybe you need to do a better job at drawing out that drama in the passage number of different things. So I would, I would just suggest talk to a wise friend and ask for some help. Hey, they seem kind of unengaged in the study. What can I do? Number five, we want to bounce questions back to the group. Sometimes people are going to ask you questions directly as the leader. What do you think about this? And of course, it's good to sometimes answer those questions, but most of the time you want to actually reflect it back to the group. 
That's gonna get everyone involved. You could say something like, great question. What does everybody think about Megan's question? If you throw it to the group, what you're doing is you're unifying everybody. But if you answer all the questions, you're training them to come to you with their tough questions instead of actually looking at the passage and figuring it out together. And you're probably missing out on wisdom that other people have that you haven't even thought of. So lots of benefits there. Number six, we want to minimize rabbit trails as much as we can. Sometimes people are going to be asking these super kind of tangential questions and that's okay. That's natural. That, that happens. Uh, but your job as the leader is to decide what to pursue and what to not pursue. Maybe you could, you're studying a passage and someone says, where, where did sin come from? Great question. You could say that's, that's really great. What makes you ask that question? And then that will help you to determine if it's a tangential thing or if it's really in the heart of the passage. Of course, you'll have to use your judgment as the leader to decide how to use the study. Maybe for ones that don't relate, you could say something like, great question. Wish we had time to go there. Maybe anybody who wants to can stick around afterward. We can hang out for an hour or two and talk about that one. Um, you know, predestination of free will comes up most Bible studies that I'm a part of. And that's often one that we're kicking to the end. We're saying, it's not really part of this passage. It's tangential and we can talk about it. It's not bad, but let's just do the study and then talk about that later. The general idea is you want to affirm them, thank them for their question, but you are responsible for getting the Bible study to the finish line. You want to get to a main point. You want to get to application in the study. So as you're just thinking about that, just ask yourself, okay, is this going to help us get to the main point and to application? Number seven, we want to handle people who won't stop talking. Well, what do you do when someone's talking a lot? They're sharing every time you ask a question. That's great, but you kind of want to hear from other people. So you could say, great insight, Megan. Thank you for sharing. What does everybody else think? We've heard from Megan. What, what, do, you, what do you think? And that way you're acknowledging Megan, you're thanking her, but you're, you're making it clear you want to hear from other people as well. So number, number seven, handle people who won't stop talking well. Number eight, kind of the opposite, we want to handle quiet people with grace. There could be a number of reasons why somebody shows up to a Bible study and they leave without saying a word. Maybe they don't feel comfortable yet. Maybe they're intimidated by how little they know. Maybe it's something else. Maybe something big's happening in their life and they're stressed. Your job as the leader is just to make them feel safe, comfortable. What you can do is gently call on them. Hey, Megan, I haven't heard from you. I would love to, to hear what you're thinking. We've heard from pretty much everybody else. And then just give them that opportunity. If they say something short, maybe a one-word answer, just follow it up with another question. What makes you say that? 
It's nothing open-ended. And that way they'll, they'll have that chance to open up. When I was uh, in college, I was pretty shy. So really I would only speak maybe in a small group if there was a ton of awkward silence because then I felt like the freedom to speak up. So maybe some people were in that same boat. Number nine, I'm going to skip. Uh, it has a lot of parallels with a previous one, but it's about dealing with hard questions. Number 10, let's honor people's time. Here's a, here's a core thing. This is one of the core ones. You want to keep the excitement for your Bible study higher than the commitment. So if they're excited to be there and it's less of a, a drag, they're going to come back. Does that make sense? If you say that the study is from 7 to 8 and around 8, don't go to 8.30, don't go to 9. Give people the freedom to, to leave if they need to because that's kind of what you said. We study from 7 to 8. Just honor them. And then they'll come back, maybe. But if you go to 8.30, 9, they're going to be wondering, why is this so long? Well, I'm not coming back. <laughs> um, potentially. So just keep that in mind uh, that you'll want to honor them. Number 11. As you end, talk about the next meeting. So, for example, you just studied John 1. Hey, next week is John 2. Maybe you've wondered why Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. We're going to talk about that next week. Come on back. Uh, that way you have a touch point to the next week. And last, number 12, follow up after the Bible study. You want to continue praying for them, praying that God would grow you, praying that God would grow them, that he would bring people to faith. If someone seems bothered during the study, or maybe they had a question that they really wanted answered, but it didn't get answered, maybe they seemed quiet, talk to them after. Just check in and see how they're doing. Last but not least, this is not just a Bible study. You're also a community of people. And your job as the leader, too, is to help nurture that community. So do stuff outside of Bible study. Hang out. Get dinner beforehand. Play sports. Go to the gym. Go to the movies. Eat ice cream. Play games. Whatever. Just get that community going and those natural friendships. Uh, and that will actually serve to deepen trust, which will then give you a better Bible study. So, we've talked about why we should do it, what we should do, how we should do it. God can use you. If you're on the fence about leading one of these this summer, just do it. Pray, ask for some help from somebody you trust who's wise, and do it. God can use you to bring people to Christ and to help them grow. Let me pray, and then we can go to lunch. Father, thank you for this group of people. I do pray, God, that you would use us to share your word with others and that you would even bring people to Christ through it this summer. Pray that you would um, give us strength as we disciple others, give us wisdom from your scriptures, and help us uh, to walk with you and to make disciples. Uh, pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.